Hello and welcome to the Rylacast, the official podcast. Official podcast. Don't don't trust those imitators. This is the official podcast of Camp Ryla District 5810. I'm Greg Tepper. The man sitting to my right is the man they call Josie, Andrew Utz. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Greg. I don't know if I've ever called you Andrew. I don't know. Except but- like like greeted you as Andrew. Usually, I mean, it happened last night. Actually, I introduced myself as Andrew, and someone was like, no, this is Josie. I was like, you're, yep, you're right. This um, happens a lot. Let's go and loop in our, our, the third member of our team today. It's our very special guest, because I want to make sure she gets in on this nonsense off the top, too. Uh, our very special guest in studio, sitting next to you. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Lauren Merrill! Yay! having me i'm excited thanks for being here thanks do you sound coming. weird in your headphones i can't hear myself in my headphones i can just hear nothing nothing really oh. yeah oh Am well I that's a problem something <laughs> that's a problem okay, okay great no it's fine um you sound good yes thanks. you you do you sound you sound fantastic awesome. how are things excellent yeah busy good how are y'all I mean, we're we're good. Nobody we're ever good. asks us Nobody. That. That's the first oh, time. Well, wow. Just, I mean, I'm just kind of stressed out right now, and <laughs> yeah. I just have a lot on my plate. How much time we got? Thirty. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's fine. I'm here for y'all. Um, this is the official podcast of Camp Rilla District 5810. This is like the uh, I don't know, like the tenth episode we've done. We've done a lot of these now. We've done a lot. This may be the double digit. Maybe we did. Maybe we did it. If Maybe only. this is a very. I mean, whatever it is, it's the. It's the X episode spectacular That's because true. Lauren Merrill is here. That's amazing. Yes. That, this is a big get for us. We've got we've had big gets before. We had Caitlin Nuts. Mm-hmm. This is this feels this feels big. Yeah. This feels like I need to like bring the heat on this podcast. Okay. I've been really I've been really going. You know, I've been mailing it in. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. lie to anybody. It's, yeah, it's, it's been soft on people. Yeah, yeah. it has. <laughs> do you listen to this podcast? I do. I was listening on the way over. I've been listening all week, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. I've I've been really, really impressed and proud of everybody that's participated and the hosts. It's awesome. Well, thank you. I I don't know how I'm not good at taking compliments. I'm. I just say thank just you. Say thank you. Thank you. It ah, feels weird. Um, okay, let's get into this. We're gonna get um, we're gonna get Lauren Merrill here in in just a, a moment. That's the real star of the show. But first, we're going to start off. It's my turn to take the it's big your segment, turn. right? I've got the big segment. Oh yeah, okay, fine. I hope so. That's what you just produce on the uh, on the air here. <laughs> I got the big segment. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm pulling my email. Yeah, I emailed you about it. It's fine. So, Lauren, why don't you introduce to everybody the topic that you have you have cursed us with in this episode. Uh, I asked to talk about listening. Listening. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Not to be confused with hearing. Ah. What did you say? Not to be. Ah. See what you did there. (laughs) That's an an audio joke. It's a Um, bad joke. Well, (laughs) I'm kind of brushing up on it. Uh, My son's favorite joke is, uh, right now, is uh, boo. Thinks that's <laughs> oh man, let me tell you, slays every time, hundred percent hit rate, uh, which is weird because I tell it to him all the time. Anyway, uh, let's talk about listening. And uh, you you made an important point that, that listening and hearing are very different things. And, and I I think we are all excellent. Well, not everybody, but I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably pretty good at hearing. Uh, but there's also I think even even when you think of podcasts, how many times. Do you are you listening to a podcast and maybe it's a forty minute long podcast about I don't know this leadership camp you went to, uh, and you you blank out for like five minutes and then you're like oh, oh that segment's over 
oh, how many times have you had to hit the rewind button and stuff? Be like, I actually do want to actually listen to this thing instead of hear it. So listening is an, an interesting topic, and I think it's something obviously very important to what leadership is. And so I was Googling around. I was on the Google machine. Mm. Yeah, on the Internet. It's a series of tubes. And I, I, I found something. It's an article in the uh, – golly. I, I keep finding articles on, like, the most like, – like, literally websites I'd never go to otherwise. <laughs> and so, like, they're not representative. It's like I didn't find it on, like, Reddit, you know, <laughs> which is where I would normally find something. No, I found something – uh, on in the <laughs> golly, I can't wait to hear this. I found something in the Harvard Business Review. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, man. I know it's, okay. it's just it's so highfalutin. It is, it is. And then you look at me, and it's like you have some highfalutin, and you <laughs> got it. Ow! <laughs> I mean, the hair. <laughs> I got it. I had to give something. Okay. <laughs> So I found this article. It's by a gentleman named R- – oh, I'm definitely going to butcher this, but he's probably not going to hear it. That's fine. It's by, by Ram Sharan, and he wrote a book uh, at, at some point. He's been an advisor to CEOs of some of the world's biggest corporations. You have to say it like that whenever you're reading from the Harvard <laughs> Business Review, uh, including he's the co-author of Talent Wins, the new playbook for putting people first. In any case, it's, it's an article called The Discipline of Listening, and he kind of views it from a CEO perspective, I think, because that's his, his world is the business world, but there's a lot of, I think, lessons that he kind of drives at uh, about how um, – he calls it a listening deficit, right? About how we all have that ability. We all can be at 100% listening, but whatever amount of time you're not listening, he, he calls that the listening deficit, which is, I think, very interesting. Uh, but uh, he, he said that it's it's not just, uh, you know, obviously there's there's certain things about like, oh, you should just, you know, nod and make sure you're taking things into account and ask follow-up questions. Those are some things. But but I think that there are, uh, as far as truly, what he calls truly empathetic listening, which we had an empathy episode earlier. We did. And we're just running through we're all these. Tying it all in. That's great. Um, he said, consider these tips. One is, I think, and I love, I love whenever these, these haughty websites give me like actual practical things that I think I'm going to use. He, he, he called it, call it pan for the nuggets. And what he did is he, he talked to a CEO. It was the CEO of Honeywell, which I've heard that. I don't know what that is. Anyway, he said he takes a piece of paper. And whenever he's listening to somebody, whenever he's in a, in a meeting, he takes a piece of paper and he divides it two third or three quarters, three quarters and one quarter. And on the three quarters, he's just taking notes. Okay, going through, taking notes. Uh, that keeps you engaged. That's something that you'll hear a lot from people when they talk about listening is just, you know, take notes. It keeps you engaged. But then on the one quarter of it, whenever there's something that he really wants to drive home, something he really wants to remember, he'll put that over on their side. So by the time you get to because how many times have you gone, heck, at Ryla and you have at camp and you have this, this, this long list of notes and you're never going to go through those notes? Never. But if you have a bullet point of like three or four things that you drew from that that were the bigger things. I think that's something that 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 struck me as as an actual practical way to improve your listing. Um, he mentioned to consider the source, making sure you understand uh, the person's perspective to give yourself context into what they're saying. I thought that was interesting. Um, and then another thing, and this is so important, uh, is he said he said slow down. He goes the reason that you have lost your ability to listen 
is because you do it every day. Think about the last time you thought about blinking, right? Like now you're thinking now about, I'm thinking it. about <laughs> it. Yeah, that's kind of fun to do on the podcast. <laughs> is, 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 is. Like forced people. Yeah, be like, be like. But but the thing is, we do it every day, and and a, so much of our lives is conversing with other people, and at the very least, using our ears to consume what they are saying. Even if it's, as you so aptly put it, hearing instead of listening. We do it every day. We do it so much that we don't ever think about doing it. The fact that you're listening to me or hearing me right now is just another part of your day. But, but he mentions to slow down because when you do that, like when, when you don't slow down, you just kind of you treat every conversation the same. You're missing important considerations. You're sacrificing an opportunity to connect. All of these things. If you just take a step back and slow down and truly hear somebody, then or truly listen to somebody, uh, that that takes time. That's not something you can do quickly, which I think is interesting uh, that I hadn't necessarily considered. And sometimes that means going back and asking for clarification or, or things like that. The other one, and this is this is so true. Uh, as far as closing what he called that listening deficit is to keep yourself honest. You have to be accountable to yourself that if you're going to go and say, I'm going to be a better listener, I'm going to make sure that what I'm doing, that, that this conversation I truly consume and, and absorb what I'm hearing in the end, you are going to slip up and you are going to just, you're, you're, you're not going to hear everything. You did not hear every word I just said, and that's okay. But keeping yourself honest and taking those steps and saying, you know what, I didn't necessarily listen to that. Uh, maybe I should go back and listen to it again. Or maybe, for example, I think a perfect example is, is at camp. If you have uh, a, a, great, um, a great facilitator, like, I don't know, a Lauren Merrill. And let's be honest. There may be times that you zone out. You know what I mean? And you're hearing it, but you're not necessarily listening to it. Make yourself go up and ask her a couple of questions afterwards. Like force yourself to to follow your follow up. Those kinds of things I think keep you honest as far as trying to improve. And I think that's that's the same with trying to improve any skill. You know what I mean? You have to be cognizant of it and cognizant of not only when you succeed but when you fail. And when you fail, taking steps to make sure that you you understand why you failed and how you fail. So there's that. It's, it's an article called The Display of Listening. It was, it was, it was published back in 2012. It was great. It was great. Fine. Whatever. No. I don't know. I got to get off this website. I don't want to be on. Hold on. I'm going to uh, <laughs> sports.com. Okay. Sports.com. What's this? what actually? What's sports.com? Is that just a logo of sports.com? <laughs> it's just sports. <laughs> it just says sports.com. Email us. I'm going to email them. Anyway. Sports.com. Anyway, there's there's that. There's something to, to, to think about. And now, let's. I, I mean, everyone. Let's be honest. There's a lot of people who just went on their podcast thing and they're like, skip forward, skip forward, skip forward, skip forward, skip forward, because they want to get to this moment. That's true. So, stop. We're going to interview Lauren Merrill now, ladies and gentlemen. Let's give it up for our very special guest, Lauren Merrill. Yay! Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Absolutely. Um, so, first and foremost, can, can I just say off the top, I admire many things about you. Oh, thank you. Perhaps the thing that I admire most about you is your ability to wear glasses. Oh, you wear you. the heck out of these <laughs> well, glasses. Thank you very much. I they are. That. It's just, it's, it's, guys, I know that you guys aren't seeing it, and that's on you. That's true. But make sure you, make sure you see it, because the glasses. Thank you. Really I appreciate that. I think, I think glasses look dumb on some people. Yes. But. 
Not Lauren. No. Absolutely not. I appreciate so, that I can support them well. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll start this conversation the way we start every conversation, which is we're going to need to hear your Ryla story. So um, I guess I have kind of an interesting origin with Rotary in general. My dad's been a Rotarian um, my whole life and was a charter member of Addison Morning and Addison Midday. So I've been around Rotary since I was a child. Um, I used to call it Rodeo and <laughs> different connotation came up in my mind when he was going to Rodeo every week. Um, yeah. Can you imagine That's, that as can a child? We... Yes, we yeah. can. And we did. Okay. I just, I just want to... Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. Um, and then um, I actually went on a mini exchange to Germany through Rotary um, International in 2001. And when I came back from that experience, my counselor at Bishop Lynch told me about Ryla and said, you know, after you've had this experience, you might be really interested in this camp that we know about. We've had a lot of really amazing people who you might know a few of um, that have gone through from BL and uh, we'd love to see if you could be an applicant. So I applied in 2002 and got to be a camper and I was the last group of campers to ever get to go to Bridgeport. Really? Yes. So I got to climb the hill for anyone that is listening from the older era. Um, And um, so, yeah, it was it was wonderful. And it's I kind of think back to how incredible it was that that experience was at a totally different place. I think we've been at Hoblitz all so long now that it mm-hmm. feels like that is also Camp Ryla in some ways. And to think about my camp experience and know that what happened there and what I took away from that year translates still and is very much what campers are getting um, to this day and the integrity of what we were doing then um, exists. And so thinking about Ryla not as a place and as a, I don't know, ethereal experience, I don't know really how to put that into words, but it, it, it's more than just the, the physical space that we encounter. You know, that's really interesting that you bring up because I, I do think that there's, there's, there's a... a I, I think one of the powers of the program is that it is so consistent is that I want you to think, you know, think back to all that's changed from when you went to camp to when the, the campers who arrived this year yeah. go to camp, that the world has changed significantly. And yet, in a lot of ways, obviously, the, the program has changed to, to it in some degrees, but but in many ways... It hasn't. A lot of the touchstones right. of that of the program are the same. And uh, the, the more I think about it, the more I wonder if that's where a lot of the power of the program lies. I, I would agree with that. I think that when you place emphasis on um, specific values and uh, goals and traits that we want to see in leaders and not so much about um, a bigger picture that doesn't exist necessarily inside of camp that would be pulled from from their outside experiences and just looking at what we can offer within our our bounds of mm-hmm. that week i think that we have we have formulaically looked at ways to um, keep consistency even with modernization of technology and you know the the changes that we've seen there and i think part of that is that we we don't bring a lot of that into camp we we mm-hmm. keep um, a lot of the 
tools that we've used that are um, hands-on experiences, uh, connecting with other people, pushing for interpersonal connections at the forefront of what we do. And we've removed a lot of the distractions of today that exist in the way that we interact with the world by not allowing students to bring their own personal technology, um, allowing them to um, only engage in a real world experience with one another. And I think that's been the formula always. Um, and so not not fixing something that's not broken mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. yeah. situation. So, um, but, you know, moving past that, I um, came back as an assistant counselor in uh, 2003 after I graduated from BL and then um, went on to International Ryla in 2005. And so I've, I've had a cool experience of being a part of Rotary International on top of my Ryla experience. And so it's given me a real love of the organization uh, as a whole and what... Um, it stands for for rotary and but then looking at just the growth and opportunity to be a part of the organization for a very long time we don't have to do the math yeah, it's um, not, yeah. yes. math is outlawed on this podcast yeah, not a yeah. numbers thing so mm -hmm. i was, was a doing that in my head podcast. on the way here uh-huh um <laughs> and so yeah so just thinking about being involved all this all this time and getting to come back in different forms and um, participate as a facilitator for many years and now getting to do curriculum work for the camp um i just i feel very proud and and blessed that i've had these experiences well, there's a lot to unpack there, and I, I think I'm going to hit you with a two-parter question. Okay. So what do you do now? Yes. And then since you have a very, I'm going to call it unique, because no other, um, no other person we've had on our podcast has had uh, that rotary experience mm -hmm. as a whole um, quite like you. So what do you do now, and then how do you involve rotary in your life? Yeah. So uh, I work in educational technology. I've been doing that for the last 12 years. Um, I work in the K-12 space, so um, primarily independent schools in Dallas. Um, I really love the work that I get to do. I get to teach computer science and engineering to little kids, so second through fourth graders, um, teaching them about programming and engineering and robotics. And then I get to also um, work with teachers um, and, and do professional development within my own campus, but I also get to go and do consulting work around the country. So um, it's, it's really exciting. I think the thing that's been so interesting about working in educational technology is that um, I, I do always go back to the motto of, of Rotary, uh, of this idea of service above self. I think of technology as a service industry. Um, people always need help in some way when it comes to their technical skills. There's always room to grow. I don't know everything by any means, but um, to something that... Um, I, I heard Josie talking about at another point um, this idea of um, failing forward and mm -hmm. feeling comfortable to fail. I think that that is intrinsic to the job that I do and the work that I do. I try to teach that to my youngest students. I try to teach that to my adult learners and um, hope that people will see that technology is just a tool to help you do anything that you want to do. It's not. It's not the... 
um, end result or the product. It's just a part of the process. And so, um, but yeah, I think that rotary tie back is definitely the service piece of, of I am just a person here to, to help and serve, um, as as we move together in this very ever changing world and landscape, <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> this is this is very weird for me because I have a wife that's a fifth grade teacher, and you talk a lot like my wife, <laughs> like the, yeah. like, the, like the like there's just like certain words that you use of and things and phrases that you use and things that you say that there is a there's a teacher sensibility there's a teacher like feeling you know what i mean like i almost always know whenever i'm talking to a teacher right um so i'm i'm interested you mentioned you you've played a lot of roles in the in the in the in the rila program um the the most recent one has been you've been a facilitator for with with, uh, with megan allen another teacher that by the way you can always tell you're talking to a teacher <laughs> maybe that's because she put me in timeout but that's beside the point <laughs> my my question is what has that experience for you been like yeah it's it's evolved by my first year that i was asked to facilitate i actually did a a session on um technology and digital lives and digital footprint of our students and helping them think about that it was at a time before uh, schools were really taking that charge and having those conversations and looking at digital literacy and making that a part of the curriculum and so um it's it's been challenging. It's always exciting. It's a little nerve-wracking because you want to make sure, um, I want to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. always relevant and speaking to the students at where they're at and not missing the mark. Um, the last few years, getting to do uh, leadership in action and thinking about personality types and where um, we can apply the understanding of who we are um, better in our daily lives and how we can take that information back to our schools and our organizations. That's been really powerful work. And obviously getting to partner with Megan on that has just been um, amazing. And she's like my other half of my brain. But um, having having chance to um, be a facilitator um, and not there's this saying in education that you're if you are doing your job you're being a guide on the side and not a sage on the stage mm-hmm. um and write that down, yeah, right, write that I, down I on my left. yeah so i try really hard to to not be the sage on the stage i don't i don't know everything the kids know so much we are working with the brightest of the brightest and they're all working so hard and such great leaders in their schools that i want them to be the ones that um come to the realizations and and lead the learning that we're doing one well, even even just the 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 words we use and the phrasing we use and and maybe it's because i just came from a couple of uh, parent student uh orientations where you know our our fearless leader dr dana mackison makes sure he tells them that these are not lecturers you know what i mean these are facilitators that is a specific and specifically chosen word yes Mm -hmm. that it's not just oh it's a fancy word for speaker you know it's like because in a lot of ways you're not speaking you you are but you're not speaking at them right you're speaking almost with them i don't know where i'm going but i i I don't know that it, it hit me recently that the word facilitator is a very deliberate choice it is absolutely and i think i think the idea of um 
being conversational where there is a back and forth um, allows the students to feel like they are as much a part of the process and the experience as as we are and it's different every year every group is different i think the thing that's been so interesting about doing this uh personality type uh session that we've done is that we get to see the breakout of the camp and see what our personalities are uh within the camp and and seeing where um where students fall in their default is really interesting and um, some years we have much higher numbers of of certain personality types and it it can drive the whole Mm -hmm. whole kind of energy of the camp so it's just been an interesting experience so um i imagine as a teacher um or in the teacher space uh the word you chose listening Mm -hmm. has a very different connotation than maybe like an engineer or a a sports guy yes so <laughs> it could be. what a generous a description of my career guy. sports i kind of i kind of blanked for a minute you did the sportsman guy <laughs> thing uh yeah so uh um please elaborate on that yeah so i i think that listening can have lots of um different feelings around it um because as as a parent or as a teacher you spend a lot of time be like please listen please listen please listen you need to listen the first time and so i think we we kind of train young children that listening means you're doing what you should be doing and it's not necessarily about uh, actively hearing someone else and i think that we become trained in some bad habits and then if you throw the digital piece into our lives um, we are increasingly more distracted we are increasingly more um, pulled for our time and trying to um, you know constantly multitask and Mm -hmm. you know neuroscience says you can't do it um and so with that in mind trying to figure out how to be an active listener and and take that time similar to the article take the time to slow down and truly hear what someone is saying and listen for intent and assume good intent um and don't always immediately go to what you think is going to be said or immediately start thinking about what you are going to say as the response, which is weird in this situation <laughs> because I'm immediately thinking about what I'm going to say as a response. Mm-hmm. But, um, but trying to be intentional about about that. And I speak as a very flawed listener. <laughs> I am a very... Um, I, I, I think quickly and want to respond quickly and I have to, I have to really tame that energy at times because it doesn't work well. Lauren Merrill's our guest here on the Ryla cast. <laughs> um, I would like to ask you, um, there's a lot of things I want to ask you about, but, but I know we're running out of time. We want to be respectful of your time, but, um, so Jack is, is your son. Yes. And, uh, last year he and Zoe Zapataki were, were more or less fighting it out for the official baby of Camp Ryla yes. in 20, 2018. They were. Um, but the one thing I will all... It's, it's weird what stands out from a whole week of essentially sleep sleepless days. But I will always remember everyone cheering for him rolling over. <laughs> this is the best moment of my life. He was... So he it was... was it, was it was in the barn. It was in the barn. Yes. And... 
he was just kind of you kind of getting there and, and I don't know if you I mean you're pretty good at rolling over at this point right uh, I mean I, we, it's it's not about me this isn't about me <laughs> um, but but for for children and and my son Hank has has been similar too is they they get to a certain point and the other arm is in the way and they don't understand like they not just don't all. understand there's like the nope I guess like no go anymore I will always remember in the barn yes. where he rolled over. That was maybe the loudest cheer I've heard at a non-sporting event in years. It was pretty incredible. I, I will say I cried because it was just the joy of him doing that and then the love. I was like, you have so much Rila love already and you're not even one. And so, yeah, it was uh, it was incredible. Yeah. A, is, he, is he still good at rolling over? He's really good. He's now pulling up and oh. trying to walk and... You know, mm. doing all that. He's, That's scary. He is full on moving. Because he's number two, right? He is. There's yes. a four year old Emily that four-year-old precedes Emily. him. Mm. Yes. So and they're and and they're full on Rila babies. You have indoctrinated them. Full on. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I have a a great husband Doug who uh, is a Rotarian and fully understands the the Rila. Ness. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a very yeah. good way to Fully understands it. the right of this. <laughs> yes. Josie, would you like to close us out? I would love to, Greg. Uh, Lauren, so yeah. we invite our guests on here and, and like to end the conversation with you plugging something. Okay. So care to plug away. Okay. Can I plug two somethings? A little oh, jeez. I know. I know. I'm Give say it yes. Yes. Take a while. I know. Good I know. cop, bad cop. I, I say yes. Okay. Okay. I, they'll be fast. So one... One, to tie into the theme, is I say, listen to Audible, because listening to books Mm. is just as good as reading them, and sometimes better, especially if the author is reading it, because talk about listening to original intent, you can hear so much. Mm. It's amazing. Second one, if you would really like some great shaved ice, (laughs) go to Lynn's Tasty Snow on Beltline in Carrollton. She's awesome. It's like a little wooden shack. I know where it is. It's amazing. I used to work right by there. Yes. I never went. Yes. It's and incredible. now I move offices. Yes. It's all cash, though. But I love her. And I probably shouldn't say this because her line's already super long. But I love her. And if you need some tasty snow this summer, that's the place to go. What's your what's, tasty snow. Do you have a, do you have a go-to flavor or are you just whatever uh, I'm feeling? Your coconut. Coconut. Ooh, you're a coconut it's person? so good. Can I ask oh, you a question? Yes. What's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Uh, I don't really eat Girl Scout cookies. This is not the Samoa. Oh, man, we should have ended the. We should have ended before that question. Oh no! I know. I'm mm. so sorry. Yeah, it's so okay. Eat. Okay. I was a Girl Scout, but are you like a coconut fan? I am. You do. I was eating chocolate covered, like coconut, macaron things. Oh, earlier. I thought you were going to say oh. like coconut. I was like, that's <laughs> just like <laughs> that's hardcore. <laughs> that is coconut. <laughs> <laughs> really hardcore. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Lauren Merrill! Yay! And now, with something to leave you with, we go to our chief something to leave you with correspondent, Andrew Josiatz. Andrew Josiatz. Well, thank you, Greg. Uh, listening. So I was thinking about um, a story I would like to tell for this listening, and I'm going to try to keep it short. Uh, but I am not, I'm not good at listening. I'll just put that out there. Uh, but there was uh, a couple years ago, I was flying home um, from a work trip in Kansas City, Missouri. And I was flying southwest, and I tried to get an earlier flight and was able to get the earlier flight, but I was the last person on the plane. So expect totally expected a middle seat. And about halfway down the plane, there was an aisle seat open, 
and it was um, on either side of me. There was a family that was too big. There were basically five people in the family, and so there were two or three kids. And I'm just in the hashtag babies got to fly lobby. So kids got to fly. Totally understand that. Um, Good lobby to be. I'm very yeah. <laughs> as somebody who's about to take his child on his first uh, plane ride, yeah. uh, I'm glad that that there are people like you out there. Yes. Um, so I was sitting in the aisle seat, and the the dad next to me was wearing a Kansas City Royals, which is a baseball team's shirt, and it was 2014. Um, I believe they'd either won the World Series or in the playoffs. Um, Greg's going to fact check me. I'm pretty yeah. sure um, <laughs> they won the World Series that year. So I had mentioned something to him, and his eyes lit up, which I can only imagine now was probably like, I don't have to talk to little kids for the next hour and a half. Right. And uh, and turns out he uh, played baseball in college and was not drafted, but played in the Philadelphia Phillies organization. Um, and it was just like a, a surreal experience because I'm all I'm a, a sports fan and a, a fan of um, when athletes become real people too. It's mm-hmm. it's weird to to see them on this side of the screen, for example. Um, and he he was telling stories of in college he went to to University of Washington and played with a player uh, Jim like Lukeum. I mean uh, Tim Lincecum is the name I mispronounced that mm, weird. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> But he was just telling a story, telling me stories, um, us. It wasn't a, the whole plane. Um, but for that, that hour and a half, um, I just kind of got lost in, in his entire story, so much so that it's five years later, and I remember the guy's name. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of the most active listening sessions I've ever been a part of. Um, and he was right next to me on the plane, so I can only imagine what other people were walking around every day walking past well and the other thing is that sometimes especially on a situation like that sometimes you have to be like we were talking about slowing down to listen that is a situation where you are forced to come to a complete halt yes and listen and i don't know sometimes sometimes you need that um what's the word i'm looking for um being bound to a chair, more or less, in, <laughs> in a tube in the sky. True. Uh, yeah, strapped order, to a in seat in order to get that. But I, you know, somebody had some some stand-up comedian had a joke about how like can, how airplanes are like single-serving friends. You know, everything's in a single serving. <laughs> um, and I wonder, like, there's. I, I think I do wonder that because of just the circumstances you find yourself in, I wonder if people are better listeners. Maybe before the age of Bluetooth headphones, um, are, yes. are better headf- or better listeners on planes than anywhere else. That would be interesting. It would be interesting. Sounds like a study. All right. Well, let's commission it. <laughs> um, what's in the budget for Ryla? Uh, You're no. Oh, oh. Five. No. Why are you doing the throat slash? Yeah. Thing? No. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Well, there we go. Thanks, Josie. Thank you. That was that's great. something to leave you with. Oh, it's very good. And that is the end of the podcast. What if we just stopped it there? That would have been really funny. Um, th- thank you for spending part of your day with us. Thank you again to Lauren Merrill for being our very special in studio guest. Uh, please, if you have not already, please go rate and subscribe uh, to the podcast. Tell your friends. Um, what's what's today's form of uh, antiquated form of communication that you can tell your friends? So, well, antiquated. Um, I mean, you can write a letter, but I'm not going to name the address. Mm-hmm. Um, you can send an email to inforila. 5810 at gmail.com and also should you like to uh, we have a foundation should you like to fund 
our studies that we're going to do. If you would Uh, like to fund the studies about fourth down or um, listening on planes. (laughs) The uh, the foundation is the 501c3 RILA 5810 Foundation. Just send an email or reach out to us at rila5810alumni.org. Yes, rila5810.org is where you can find all sorts of information and... Yeah, so that's going to do it for us. Thanks again for spending part of your day with us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Josie, thank you for your courage. Thank you. We'll see you next time on the Rylacast. <laughs>